welcome to Your Best Writing Life, an extension of the Blue Ridge Mountains Christian Writers Conference held in the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina. I'm your host, Linda Goldfarb. Each week, I bring you tips and strategies from experts in the writing and publishing industry to help you excel in your craft. I'm so glad that you're listening in. During this episode, you'll learn about perseverance and resilience in writing. In this day and age, we must, we must embrace perseverance. And having the resilience to continue writing when it seems like the world is just coming against and against and against believers in Jesus Christ. My guest is so amazing, and she is going to bring us content today that's going to help us continue to persevere, to find out even more about perseverance, and you are going to be blessed greatly with our conversation. My industry expert is Lori Stanley Roloveld. Lori is a life coach, blogger, speaker, freelance writer, and disturber of hobbits, one of my favorite aspects of Lori. She's authored five encouraging, unsettling books, including Running from a Crazy Man, with a sixth in the works. Her latest release is Colorful Connections, 12 Questions About Race That Open Healthy Conversations. She lives online at www.lauriroleveld.com. Lori, it is so good to have you here with me. Thank you, Linda. I'm excited to be here. Yay. Excitement is a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) It is. This is a great way to spend some time this afternoon. Yay. Well, we're going to start off by taking a peek behind your personal curtain, if you don't mind. So, Lori, would you share something about yourself that we might not read in your bio? Sure. Something that some people know, but but it surprises everyone who knows me is that I spent time in my early 40s leading a, a Bible study for black belt women who'd never studied the Bible. And wow. that was uh, I had a friend who was a black belt and she had a, a bunch of women she wanted to share the gospel with and asked me to lead Bible study. So the deal was I had to learn karate while they studied the Bible and um, I was really bad at it. But that was good for the gospel. That was it was good for them to see me struggling. I, it took four years, but I did earn my black belt, and um, some of those women came to know the Lord, and they all kept showing up every week to study the gospel. Oh, that is fantastic! And you know that is a sign of perseverance. It's not easy to get your black belt, so you stuck it out. I'm very proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That was the first place learning my black belt made me realize like, I bet I could write a book (laughs) doing it, breaking it down into little chunks like this. So I did get my first hint there. Oh, so good. It's amazing, y'all, what God will use. Be alert to life, what's going on around you, where you're invited in to be able to share his great news. You never know what book or article or post is in the making. Be alert to it. Right now, we're going to go directly into our content for today, perseverance and resilience in writing. And Lori, I know that most of what you write is about perseverance, and you like to encourage Christian writers to persevere as well. 
Tell me about your writing career and what makes Perseverance so dear to you. Well, I have the writing career that a lot of new writers are afraid that they will have. And I'll tell you that it's actually a great way to build a career. I, I started out years and years ago, and I have had that long, slow path to writing books. I started out doing all the things that they say to do. I wrote church plays and church newsletters. I wrote letters to the editor. I have written everything from greeting cards to ghostwriting. I've written obituaries, book reviews. It was a very long path to writing books. And there were times when I really struggled against it. There were times that I wondered if God really wanted me to keep writing. But all along the way, God used every single word. You know, I don't have evidence of all of it, but I have so much evidence of what God used that I completely trust that God hasn't wasted a single word. Uh, From my letters to the editor, those were how I was uh, able to be meet my first agent. He was looking in the newspaper for Christians who are trying to get God's word into the secular press. I met him when my daughter was three or three or four, and my first book wasn't published till she was twenty three or twenty four. Wow! So if I'd known that at the beginning, I would have been very discouraged, but. Like, honestly, it's been a powerful and enriching journey, even though it's been a long one. I know that there are listeners right now going, what? It took how long? (laughs) Yet the success of where you are today reinforces to me that God's timing is so perfect. It is perfect. There has to be things that you've learned or that you learned between those beginning stages and then the 20 years later when your book was published. Would you agree? Absolutely. And things that I wouldn't have lined up to write, like like greeting cards, those were not on my radar to write. But I received a greeting card once from uh, an older gentleman who'd been like a father to me in the faith. And he's in his 90s and he's moved away from where I am. And he told me that he'd gotten, he was feeling very low one day and very lonely. And he received a greeting card, which was wonderful in itself. But then he turned on the back and there was a devotional that I'd written. And God used it to remind him that he'd had an impact on my life and that that wouldn't have been written if it wasn't for his impact and really minister to him. There's no Mm. way I could orchestrate something like that or see something like that coming. So I'm happy for every little thing and every big thing that I've been able to write. And I can I can hear that in your voice. And that's just amazing joy that's coming through. Well, here's my next question. What are some common challenges Christian writers face that cause them to consider giving up? Well, we know that all writers, we all face criticism and rejection, and that's something that every writer expects. But there's also this feeling of this fear that we're going to disappoint the people who believe in us. I think that the that the criticism or rejection has a weight, but there's also a weight to people's praise, to people's excitement, those, those people in our family or in our community or church who believe in us. Sometimes what really discourages us or puts us off is when we realize the writing life is different than we expected and we're afraid of disappointing them, whether it's that we won't get published or we're afraid that our sales are not what they're going to expect or it's not as 
as glamorous as they imagine. So that's that's a challenge that I don't think that most writers see coming. We don't, uh, you know, we have to make real financial investments and time investments, right. sometimes for many years that we're not sure will pay off. So that's, you know, something that we feel responsible for to people around us, people doing that. Um, another challenge for most of us is envy or jealousy. I know that I see a lot of writers give up shortly after contests are announced. And, oh. and I know because I've, I've, I have had that experience. Oh, you know what? I didn't even final in that. And that, you know, like, forget it. I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to be good enough. And that person's, all the contracts are going to go to that person as if, you know, as if there's a limited number of contracts out there, well, they're going to get it and I'm done. And Sometimes that's just a real wrestling with envy and or jealousy. And um, and that's a real thing that we don't talk about very often, but it's a it's something that we should prepare for and know that God is doing a work in us through that. I, I'm very glad for the writing journey because it's it's made me more dependent on Christ. It's made me uh, more aware of the work that He's doing through me uh, and in me. I should say, he's doing this work in me and using the hardships of this journey to make me more like Jesus. I like that you said we need to prepare ourselves. And the thought of preparing myself um, for being envious or being prideful or being, no, I'll be okay. I love Jesus and that won't happen in my life. But the enemy will bring that in. Someone will say something, it will trigger us. And because we're human, you know, you speak about the the competition, so the the contest, the writing contest, and someone wins, and we read it, and in our little girl or little boy, we go, well, my goodness, I'm a much better writer than that person. Why did theirs get selected? Or even another scenario is when a friend comes to them and says, well, that's just not right, because you're so much better. These are real issues, and they are real challenges. And I appreciate that you say it straight out. We need to prepare ourselves, because this can come our way. And to be alert to those emotions and those feelings that certainly would not fall in line with how God wants us to walk. If we have brothers and sisters in Christ and they're writing for the kingdom, we need to be happy with those that are happy, of course, be sad with those that are sad, and know that the kingdom work is for one, and that is for Jesus Christ, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, the divine trinity that everything that we're doing and everyone else who is in our market, all of the Christian writers, we're writing to that one person, to that one God. And that's right. But to be aware. Yeah. And, you know, writing is hard enough, but Christians have an actual enemy who is trying to foil us too. The enemy, and you don't have to be a great, you know, you don't have to be destined to be a best-selling writer in order to have the enemy come against you. You just have to love Jesus, and the enemy wants to destroy your joy at every level. 
So it's important to understand that the enemy tempts you to discouragement or to fear or to uh, envy. And then mm. it, when you give in, makes shames you for having given in and it becomes all mucky in your head. So you believe, well, forget it. If this is w what's involved in this writing life, then I need to, you know, maybe I need to back off. But that that's exactly what the enemy wants to have happen. Instead, you have to say, no, like I see this. I see the enemy's strategy. I'm not going to let the strategy you know, blow me away. I'm going to take this stuff to the father. He's going to help me work through this. And I'm going to be prepared the next time this comes about because the challenges don't end with at any particular success level. Mm. Like people who are best selling authors just have new challenges and new temptations and they have comparisons and they have insecurities. So it's important for us to know this is something we learn to manage at every level because it's going to reappear at every level. Very nice. Good. Well, share with us your five strategies for helping writers stick with writing, build resilience, and not give up. Right. And you do need strategies. So I learned this in karate. I learned in karate, you know, like I knew the goal. I had a vision. It was the black belt. And there was never any room in anyone's mind for the idea that I wouldn't one day achieve that. Everybody knew, though, that it would take as long as it took and that I would need to break it down into small skills and keep and keep be persistent with those skills. And if we apply that kind of thinking to our writing life, it can really make a difference. So uh, for me, I, some of it is about um, like the Apostle Paul talked about in Second Timothy. The first strategy is to remember that we're not the only calling that faces these kind of challenges. The farmer, the soldier, the athlete, they face these challenges of investing a lot in what they're doing, but knowing that there are all kinds of factors that can blow it up at any moment and they'd have to start over again. Uh, there are other like Christian musicians, missionaries, ministers in small towns or large cities we shouldn't just feel sorry for ourselves. We should understand, look, this is a particular calling and this, it requires a particular mindset. And so remember that we're not alone in having this kind of calling that'll help to prevent some um, of the self-pity that can drag us down. The second is to make sure you have a dedicated prayer team. I don't care if you just started out. I don't care if you're just starting to think, I think I might be a writer have two or three people just ask them, look, I need a dedicated prayer team. I need you to be praying for me. I need that prayer backup because that's vital. Uh, we need time with other writers, even if it's once a year at a conference. You know, some people go to two or three a year. If what When I was really starting out and we lived on one budget because we were homeschooling, every anniversary gift, birthday gift, Christmas gift was a contribution to my conference fund. And I would go to one conference a year just so for once a year, I felt kind of normal. I was with a pe other people who had the same struggles and dreams that I did. That was powerful. But make sure that you're spending time with other writers. Uh, uh, four is write a mission statement. Prayerfully spend time writing a mission statement. Now, mission statements aren't set in gold. They will change over time. They'll transform as you transform, as you grow but write a mission statement and put it up somewhere. Remind yourself, just like, um, you know, John Belushi in uh, the Blues Brothers, you're on a mission from God. 
and you put that up there so that you can see it. I'm, I'm not writing for nothing. What I do matters. It matters because God says it matters. It doesn't matter because millions of people are going to read it. It doesn't matter because I, I'm going to be a bestseller. It matters because God told me to do something and I just have to believe that, that he knows what he's doing. And then finally, um, I have a, a, a kind of cold water in the face strategy for when I'm really feeling down and really feeling discouraged and, and about get, possibly giving up. And I think about Christians who love words and love to write, but they're in persecuted countries. You know, there are people who love words and they love Jesus and they're in uh, labor camps in North Korea or mm. they're hidden away in, in a, a prison in China. They don't have a chance right now to express what God has put in them to express. And they have their own walk with God. They have their own struggle. God put me here, not there. But one day I know I'm going to be sitting with them in glory. And they're going to ask me, what did I do with the freedom that God gave me? And one mm -hmm. thing I'm not going to say to them is that because I only had 30 followers, I gave up. I, what oh. I want to be able to do is look at them and say, you know what? There were times it was hard and I wanted to give up, but I thought about you and your imprisonment, your suffering inspired me to be realistic about mine and to press on. And I wrote not only for me, I wrote for you too. So sometimes we need that cold bucket of water in the face kind of strategy to help us remember like, no, this isn't about me. This is about what God wants all of us to do. I'm over here on this side of the microphone throwing my hand at you as you're saying that, you know, that cold bucket of water reality, that wake up for us to realize numbers don't matter to God. He only had, what, two fish and three small loaves of bread, and he fed thousands, and numbers are what the enemy will use to distract us, to take us off course. If we are called, we do whatever it takes. I really do like that cold bucket moment that cold bucket of water moment, because I have to have that for myself, Lori. There are days I wake up tired. There are days my energy is depleted. I'm, I'm feeling splattered. I'm feeling beyond overwhelmed. And it's not until I settle into the reality of the totality of God in my life that I go, God will help me persevere. I'm not giving up on this. And it's like you said, it doesn't matter if I only have X number of followers. Everyone started out with X number of followers. And God's timing is what drives us and directs us and helps us to maintain that single focus of my next step for his best in my life. I really oh, like that. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. We all face that. We, you know, no matter what we do, we face the temptation to quit. I feel as though the closer we get to the end of the age, there are just going to be these spiritual flashing strobe lights to try to get us to all quit, to quit on the Lord, to quit on our faith, to quit on our calling. 
And we need to harness the power of persistence. But, but I will tell you, you know, a lot of writers, every writer is prepared for rejection, right? Every writer is prepared to fail. What most of us are not prepared for is success. This is true. And, you know, like with the loaves and the fishes, you, we saw the disciples weren't prepared for suddenly like, wait, we fed all these people and there's all this left over. When I, years ago, 2014, one of my posts was suddenly, suddenly went viral and over 2 million people read it in a week. I can assure you, I was not prepared for that. And that was a, a big moment for me with God of him helping me see, do you, you think you want this? But then it comes and it's overwhelming, isn't it? It's a big deal. And now you can see how much I have to build into you, how much I have to work with you to prepare you for what lies ahead, no matter what it is. This is true. And so many of us are being hit with the, well, you know, you know, you're almost too old. You're almost too old. You're, you're encroaching on, you know, the age of who really cares. It, are your words valuable? Are you where God really can use you? And once again, we have to wake up to that cold bucket of water that says, God has this. And I'm following him. I rebuke and refuse words that would not come from my Abba. I refuse it. Not going not gonna to go there. And this kind of leads us into a trickier question. Are there some writers who should give up? You know, that's a, that's a hard question to answer, honestly. But the truth is that, that yes, there are. Like, I won't say there are writers who should give up. I, I think there are people trying to get books published or trying, trying to be writers who should give up because really their calling is something else and they've just been attracted to writing. Uh, but, but there's a way to know about that. There's a way to know if that's you. You know, if you can't not write, then you need to keep writing. If it's your main gift, you need to keep writing. If God gave you a clear, strong command to write, you need to keep writing. If you could do something else and be at peace with that, I think you should go do that because this is not something that you do if you can do anything else. But yeah, Kevin Costner tells this great story. You know, the actor Kevin Costner he tells a story about knowing a writer years ago, a screenwriter, and befriending the guy, trying to help him out. And this guy just kept it coming up with these really super long scripts that were too long for people. He had a lot of pride when he was pitching things. He wouldn't take advice. He was difficult to deal with. And Kevin, he even lived with Kevin for a while until Kevin finally threw him out. So this guy was out on his ear, he was homeless, but he couldn't stop writing. And he finally called Kevin one day and said, please, what have I got to do? And Kevin said, you've got to start listening to people. You've got to do what they're telling you to do. Write a script that's the right length and that fits the parameters and makes sense. And the guy went back and wrote, and finally it got delivered to Kevin Costner and it was Dances with Wolves. Ah. Right now, this is a guy that got it all wrong to start with his attitude. Everything was wrong, but he couldn't not write. And I have friends who faced discouragement, who faced really hard things. But, you know, they say, I just can't not write. I'm a writer. 
And and that was my story. I, I would I tried other things. I was like, this is ridiculous. But God kept saying, I don't know why you're trying these other things. I made you a writer. And and my definition of success is that I am going to leave it all on the mat. When I step into glory, I want to it doesn't matter if I had a bestseller or if I had 20 novels. It doesn't matter. What matters is that I wrote to my last breath that I put, left it all on the mat and there's nothing I left that I didn't give him with this gift that he gave me. Mm. So is it the drive that defines our calling? I like how you said you just can't not write. If that is just pouring out of you, then you can be pretty strong that this is a calling that God has given you, but work within the parameters that are being asked of you. I really like that. But mm -hmm. someone who's like, you know what, I'm a speaker first, not a writer, and they enjoy speaking, but someone has told them, but you have to write. You have to write. Because if you're a speaker, you're going to have to write. So do they have to write? <laughs> That's a good question. I'm not going to challenge any of the uh, experts in speaking. I, I, you know, there are a lot of ways to get a book written. If you're a speaker and someone has told you you need to write, but, but you know, like, I, I don't want to sit and write. You know, get, get with a writer give a give a writer something to do let you know let someone be a ghostwriter for you i mean there is some writing that doesn't feel wonderful there are times when i wake up and i don't feel the drive to write what well, i like having written sometimes um writing is not my you know my favorite thing to do at any given moment i hear family out having a fun time and i'm on a deadline that drive is a little diminished so that, but that doesn't mean that I, I, I shouldn't uh, keep writing. Okay. So, you know, a speaker, there are, there are a lot of ways to get a book out these days. A lot of writers looking for work, they could team up with someone. There are plenty of people who could um, co-write with them if they wanted to or ghostwrite. And I do like that you said, you can be discouraged. We get discouraged. I really was hoping that's what you were going to say. <laughs> <laughs> so that we, the listeners that are out there going, I wake up going, uh, I just don't want, I can't get past this barrier. I don't think that I can. And what you shared with us, Lori, is you can, and everyone goes through this. Everyone goes through this. I like- We all need time under the broom tree, right? We all need a nap. Yes. We all need a vacation. We all need to be replenished. You know, that, that happens. There are times when we need a little respite from writing. That's okay. And that's okay. Yeah. Yes. God loves our humanity. We're, we're human, all of us. Oh, and I do love that he loves our humanity. If he didn't, Lori, I'd be in such a world of hurt. I will tell you that right now. You and me both. You and me both. That's actually one of my... That's one of my challenges lately is to remind myself, God hates my sin, but he loves my humanity. And there are mm. times when I have to recognize my own limits mm. and understand, and, you know, as, as an older writer now, I'm 61, which isn't, you know, older, older, but 
I'm starting to think about ergonomics and maybe I need to get up sometimes. And I don't right. have the same stamina for sitting in front of a computer. I have to respect my humanity and know that God has factored that in. And so I need to factor that in as well. Oh, I love it. That's so good. Be a respecter of our own humanity. That's, yeah, that's what we're to do. What about, what about the rewards for perseverance? What have you witnessed in your writing life? As I said before, I'm always going to be grateful that God called me to be a writer. And also, I have to admit, I'm going to be grateful that it was hard because the perseverance that I've had to develop for my writing life has bled over into my spiritual life. And it has really fired me up about being perseverant in my faith, which is the greater challenge, right? Persevering with Christ when the world tells you that it's ridiculous, when other Christians start to you know, create, there's division that's happening. I need the perseverance that I've learned through writing to bleed over into my spiritual life. So I'm very grateful for that. That's been one thing that has been very meaningful to me. Uh, Second, I've learned to know, to trust that God will use everything I write. As I said, every word that I write uh, is going, he is going to find some use for. Uh, And things that I didn't expect, things that surprised me, I, I went through a trial a couple years ago and uh, I pulled out an old novel that has not been published and maybe never will be published. But as I was reading it, it actually, the Lord spoke to me through my own old unpublished novel about the experience oh. that I was going through. And, and I thought, man, I wonder if, you know, like at the rapture, if everything we have that's unpublished, you know, people are going to find it. And, and be ministered to through our unpublished work. We have no idea. We don't know. I even did some, um, I, I joined a writing group at the, at the local Y years ago because I thought, well, if it never gets published, at least these people who don't know the Lord have to read it. And, and it, was a great, it was a great time. And they would ask me questions about the Lord. And, you know, and I thought, okay, like I know God is using this along the way. It doesn't have to look the way that I think it needs to look. So I've learned that, that perseverance has helped me to, to see that and to know that. And of course, there have been, you know, those grand ways that God has used my writing. I had a friend call me once to say that Ann Voskamp was, was blogging about me. Now, I haven't met Ann Voskamp. I certainly didn't know her then. But I went to her website and someone I don't even know had given her one of my blog posts when she was praying about um, doing ministry in Haiti. And I had written about Haiti in one of my blog posts. And the Lord used that post to inspire her and her husband to begin some work in Haiti. You know, I, I still have no contact with Ann Voskamp, but like her readers read that and they read my post. I had no idea what God, you know, I never know what God's going to do. You know, God also, here's my last thing about what, what the payoff about perseverance Here's the thing that I feel very strongly about with perseverance is that God invented perseverance. He wants us to persevere. This was God's idea. And the devil and the world have stolen perseverance and used it to ramrod certain things uh, uh, over the church and society. They've learned perseverance is a great tool and we're going to use it against the church. So I believe so strongly that we need to take it back. We need to say, you know what, we own perseverance and you can do anything to us, but you can't make us quit. 
you can't make us quit on God. He, the Holy Spirit is going to keep us going. And it is a powerful tool. It is a powerful tool. If I just keep at it, if I just keep at this faith one day, I will, even if I'm, you know, if the Lord drags me over the threshold of glory home, gasping and crawling, I'm going to be there. And, um, and like I said, I'm just going to leave every ounce of writing gift that he gave me on the mat. And I believe that that that's not like a Lori thing. That's a Linda thing. That's everyone who's listening to the po- this podcast. If you know God's called you to write, it, it's going to be a beautiful thing that you stick with it. It is going to be powerful. God's going to use it in your life. He's going to use it in other people's lives. It doesn't matter if it's a thousand people, a million people, or one person. It really, really doesn't matter because what matters is that you are testifying to that great cloud of witnesses that there's another believer who won't give up on what God has called them to do. So powerful. Never, never give up. We cannot. That's not in our spiritual DNA. It is not. Not with the Holy Spirit in us. That is not a phrase that he would ever say to us, just go ahead and give up. He would never say that. You have given us so much amazing content today, Lori. I was taking notes while we were discussing every single aspect of perseverance and resilience. And I know that our listeners are doing the same. I have a question that I enjoy asking all of my first-time guests. Lori Roloveld, what brings you joy? There are a lot of things in life that bring me joy, but like, as you can guess, I love words. And what really brings me joy is when I see the power of words harnessed in a way that is able to communicate the majesty and the power and the wonder of Jesus to someone in a way that they in a fresh way. That really does bring me joy, whether it's a one-on-one conversation to encourage someone or a blog post that a bunch of people read. It doesn't matter. It's just such a joyful thing to see words at work in the hands of the master. Amen. Amen. Well, as we're wrapping up, I'd like for you to share a little bit about your newest book that's launching in September of 2022. Colorful Connections, 12 Questions About Race That Open Healthy Conversations. Talk to us about that. So this is my first collaboration. It's with Sandra Dalton-Smith. And it's a little terrifying, I will admit, because Sandra and I committed to have a transparent conversation about what it's like to be white and black Christians in this time. And we, we respond to one another around these 12 questions that we believe are better questions than the question, am I racist? I, I felt like that's kind of a dead end question, this am I a racist? I mean, we certainly should ask that in our hearts, but usually the answer is yes or no. When really there are questions that we could ask, like, how can I love you better? Uh, what does justice look like where I am? So we, you know, what is it like to raise, what legacy do we want to leave for the next generation about uh, um, relations between people of different skin colors? So Sandra is an amazing writer. She's a doctor. She's a black woman living in Alabama. 
I am a white woman living in Rhode Island, and we just talk with each other through these pages. And we also do some interviews with, with men and women of other skin colors so that we get very different perspectives in the book. I'm excited about what God's going to do with this, but terrified too. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I know that it's available for pre-order on Amazon, christianbooks.com, just about everywhere that Christian books are sold. I highly recommend it. Can't wait to get my copy in my hand. I'll just put it that way. So this is very good. Now, I know that you have a gift for our listeners. So tell us a little bit about that. I do. It's strategies for overcoming setbacks. So I don't think that'll be a surprise to anybody, but it's just really practical strategies to get you mentally, emotionally, and spiritually through the setbacks that come into the life of every writer. And, and trust me, I have a lot of experience with setbacks. And so I can confidently say I'm an expert at it. And, and I hope that you'll benefit from this. And we will. Definitely we will. We have everything in our show notes, links, all, all that you need to be able to get in touch with Lori, to find out more about her book, and of course, to receive your gift. We love to gift our listeners on your best writing life. I feel that every opportunity I have to sit down with an expert in the industry is a gift, and I am blessed every single week. I mean, how can it get much better than this? This is so good. So good. Thank you so much, Lori, for being here with us today on Your Best Writing Life. Thanks. I'm really excited to be included. Um, I love listening, and I don't know that I'll love listening to myself, but I love listening to, you, to all the rest of your interviews. So thank <laughs> you. <laughs> well, I think you should listen to yourself. Sometimes we don't do that, but I think it would be a good option for you. So very. <laughs> Very nice to be here with you. And I do thank you, friends, for joining us. Thank you, thank you. Please take a moment to share this podcast with another writer or two. Give us a star rating. We need those out there. It really kind of moves us up in the ranking. More people will find out about your best writing life. And wouldn't that be just wonderful for those who maybe don't know the Lord, but know they want to write? God calls whom he chooses, wouldn't it be great for them to be lifted up through a broadcast that has a lot of truth backing it? I think it would. Post a episode review and hit subscribe if you haven't done that already. I greatly appreciate you because what you have to say matters as much as what you have to write. This is Linda Goldfarb, and I look forward to being here with you next time on Your Best Writing Life.